Okay. Hi, Rabbi. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good afternoon, Joe. And today happens to be Mother's Day, and I'm always been fascinated by the conflict on our attitude towards the women in our lives. Our mothers, of course, considered sacred to us, and we love them and cherish them, and with very few exceptions, think they can do no wrong. And yet at the same time, in many cultures, in many religions, in many different sects of society, women are seen as the temptresses that lead men astray and to do wrong from Eve on down. How well, does Judaism approach that topic? Well, since you brought up Eve, let, why don't we start with Eve? And we need to start with the view towards Torah, towards the Bible, towards scripture, towards the book of Genesis. The Torah was an oral tradition that can't be written down. And with any oral tradition, you have two or three versions of the same story. So throughout Genesis and Exodus, throughout the entire Torah, we find two, sometimes three, even four versions of the same event. For those of us that see the Torah as God-inspired but man-written and as an oral tradition that came to be written down, we have no trouble seeing separate accounts of the same story. For the Orthodox in Judaism, they see everything as literal from the word of, literally the word of God. And it's not two tellings of the same story. So Orthodox Judaism and our traditional writings have to think of ways to make everything follow a line. So let's start with Genesis. In Genesis chapter one, God creates man and woman from the dust of the earth. Man and woman, he created them from the dust of the earth. Genesis 2, God causes a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And this is the story we tell most of the time, is Genesis 2. A deep sleep took one of the ribs out of Adam, made a woman, and called her Eve. So let's go back to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, they're both created out of the dirt. They're both equal. So Adam and Eve are equal. Then all of a sudden in Genesis 2, God causes a sleep and there's another Eve. Now, for those of us who see this as an oral tradition, it's two tellings of the same story, variants. For our Orthodox brethren, it's two distinct events. So what happened to the first Eve? Obviously, she must have run away because if God had to create a second Eve, what happened to the first one? Did God create a traveling salesman? God created Lilith. What the first Eve will become Lilith, which will become the demon, the temptress, will become all kinds of evil embodied in woman. And in our literature and our mythology, whenever we needed to villainize women, we could point to the first Eve, hence Lilith. And the reason Lilith left the garden is she wouldn't put up with Adam. That's in the Midrash, in the stories. 
She would not let Adam give her orders. She would not let Adam lord it over her. And she said, I'm not your servant. I'm your equal. We both came out of the dirt together. God created us as equals. Man and woman, God created them. And so Adam was a Neanderthal and didn't like this idea of an independent woman. And so she left and Adam is now alone. And so the second Eve would listen to what Adam said? The second Eve is much closer to what you, what you mentioned when you talk about motherhood and women. But the second Eve or Eve of Genesis 2 tempted Adam with the apple, which is grossly unfair. Because again, let's go to the text. The text says, God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat anything you want. Just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you can have everything else. It's a smorgasbord, it's, which we haven't seen in a long time because of the pandemic. But you can, you can pick anything. Just don't eat that fruit. So with the temptation, so the, the Eve, as opposed to Lilith, she still had some of those negative female characteristics, but she was also the, the woman that Adam had children with, hence the mother figure. And so there in the garden, uh, the snake tells Eve, everything's fine. Go ahead, touch the apple, nothing will happen. So she touched the apple. What Eve forgot is that God forbid them to eat. They could play ball with the apple. They could play soccer with the apple. They could play basketball with it. They do anything they want with it. Just don't eat it. Eve forgot that. And when the snake said, touch it, nothing will happen. She touched it and truly nothing happened. And she mistakenly thought, oh, I misunderstood. Oh, it's okay. And so she gave it to the man to eat. And then she ate from the apple. And it's that point that God said, they now know the difference between right and wrong, left and right, good and evil. It was a tree of knowledge and they were no longer innocent people. Judaism, there's no sin. They didn't commit any sin. They, they just didn't listen to God. That's, so how many times don't you listen to an, an authority? How many times don't you listen to whether it's a mother, father, rabbi, priest, minister, or a policeman? How many, just don't listen. So Adam and Eve didn't listen. So in the end, it's more about uh, um, listening to your mother as opposed to listening to the temptress, Lilith. Well, look at the Brothers Grimm. All their fairy tales stay on the path. Don't wander into the woods. And in every Grimm fairy tale, it's the girl that gets him out of trouble. The boys make it worse and can't for the life of them figure out how to solve the dilemma they get caught in. All the girls, the girls do it for them. The guys again in the Brothers Grimm are Neanderthals. But this theory is the same, stay on the path, stay on the way. Because if you go there, it's not that that's wrong, like touching the tree, it'll lead to something else. Once you start that behavior, there's a, a not much a slippery slope, it's easier to keep going more and more astray. And that was with the Garden of Eden. God said, eat anything you want, but don't eat the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And once 
they left the path and ate from the tree. Now, depending on which religion you look at, Eve can be, take, be portrayed as the temptress, as the one that caused the problem. There's lots of ways to look at her. However, if you just look at the text, just because Eve gave Adam the apple, he didn't have to eat it. Eve, Adam could have said, remember God said don't eat? Well, maybe God didn't recognize it because it was a Granny Smith instead of uh, Red Delicious. But one thing based on what you said, um, in the New Testament, uh, I've, I can't quote the chapter and verse right now, but um, the women are made into heroes. Mary is considered the salvation of, you know, right. redemption of Eve. Yes. And mm -hmm. when she's portrayed, she's crushing the snake from the Garden of Eden. Right. Um, Mary Magdalene was the, uh, the harlot whom Jesus rescued from stoning from the crowd. Right. And she became one of his most devoted followers. Is there an equivalent in the, in, in the Torah, in the uh, older well, books? Certainly, there's, there is Ruth, Naomi. There are women judges. There's women all over. So one can easily make a case for the woman as a hero. However, what have we done with our society? We haven't followed the women, Judith. We haven't followed any of them. We've always looked towards them as Eve, as being the temptress. And even when you bring up Mary Magdalene, even when you bring up uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, anytime you bring someone up, they become special cases. Even in Judaism, our heroines, are special Esther. They all become a special case rather than generalizing and saying this symbolic of all women. And I think we, we should spend an entire session on the next phase, which is this transformation of how we then took women and demonized them and made them the temptress and made them into villains and all other such things, and then categorically ignored all the other women who led the way, who did great things. Rabbi Meir's wife, Baroria, Rabbi Meir was one of the great Talmudic scholars. In the last 10 years, in doing research on, on Rabbi Meir and his wife, Baroria, scholars have concluded that most of what he said was her, that she was giving him the information, she was doing the studying that he took to the academy. But the material was buried. It was hard to find. It was intentionally unaccessible. But with a lot of modern scholarship, we've discovered that Baroria really was the Talmudic scholar. And Rabbi Meir had the sense to recognize his wife's superiority. Did his mother know? <laughs> we haven't found well, that out yet. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rabbi. And I guess the lesson here is uh, not just on Mother's Day, but you should always pay attention to what your mother taught you. Uh, and what grandma and, said, always be nice because you never know who you're gonna meet later on once you've met them in the supermarket. And so it, I wanna have another session to continue the process of women and then to lead into our attitude towards sex. We'll talk about that. Okay, thanks very much, Rabbi. Uh, have a great rest of the Mother's Day and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, you will. Goodbye.